starting a new series this morning we're pretty excited about. It's called The God Challenge. And over the next few weeks, I just really want to encourage you to to come out and find out because I, I think that this challenge is what God has set in front of us as a body. We're going to be talking a little bit about the vision and about the purpose and about how to uh, live a life that pleases God and how to take a city and how to make a difference and put our mark on uh, the region that God's given to us. I believe that God has equipped us to do great things for the kingdom of God. Daniel 11.32 says that the people who know their God, they're going to be strong and they're going to do great exploits. They're going to do just the word do. You know, I'm a word guy. Study the word do. You find out that that word do, it doesn't, it, it's not just a, you know, it's not, it's not as little as it sounds. Do, accomplish, fulfill, complete, triumph. You, you got some stuff to do. So you got some stuff to do. You got some stuff to finish. You got some stuff to complete. You got some stuff to triumph in, right? You're a doer of the word, not a hearer only. And when you know God, you get strong. When you, I said, when you know God, you get strong. So the people who know their God are going to get strong, and that strength is going to uh, enable them to accomplish what God has set in front of them. You know, about 21 years ago, give or take nine months, Shelby was still pregnant with Evan, right? And uh, I was standing alongside the house. My father was running around kind of losing his mind uh, because the house was on fire. And I was buying the house from him, and he knew that I had canceled the fire insurance to save money because I have wisdom like that. And, uh, uh, and so he was a little excited. that One guy that was with him was throwing snowballs at the, at, at the fire because it was out of control. The, the snow was really out of, uh, you know, the norm for our area, and the fire trucks couldn't come to the fire because there was an incline up to the road from the fire, you know, station, and, and we lived out in the sticks, and uh, they couldn't get the fire truck up because of the snow and the ice, and so my house is on fire. And, 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 you know, what do you do when your house is on fire? Pray. That's a good time to pray. Let's pray. Uh, you know, you ever read the book of Jonah? It says, then Jonah prayed. Well, duh. You know, I mean, you know, he, he's in the belly of hell, he said. And then Jonah prayed. You bet he did. And so did I. And so I'm praying, to, telling God what I need him to do. I need to put that fire out. And God, God began to speak to me through the word. Okay. Uh, by the way, if you wake up in the middle of the night and the angel's standing in your bed and he's telling you what to do, if it ain't got no scripture in it, that ain't God. Just, just, you know, I know a lot of you guys are waiting for the angels to come do the river dance out in the driveway there so that you know that God's moving. But if they don't do the river dance to scripture, it ain't God. That's just a lot of pizza and probably something you drank the night before. Uh, <laughs> Just saying. Uh, but, you know, I'm standing out in the middle of the pasture, and, and I'm praying, and God starts speaking to me through the Word. And I get this, the weirdest verses. It's Isaiah 54, verses 1 and 2, and God was talking to me in King James because that's all I read back then because it was the only Bible. And, uh, and he said, Sing, O barren, sing, break forth into singing, and cry aloud for more of the children of the desolate and the children of the married, life, married wife, saith the Lord. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left. And he kept going back to sing. Sing. Sing, and I'm standing here in a pasture watching my house burn. The fire truck can't come. There's a crazy guy throwing snowballs at it. My dad's about ready to have a heart attack knowing that really this is his house, not really mine. God's saying sing, and I'm thinking this is not a good time. You know, I'm under duress. This is a lot of stress. This must not be right. Sing. Finally, it's almost as if, Jim, God said sing or you'll have nothing but ashes. Burn, baby, burn. You know, uh, you know I mean, wh what am I supposed to say? 
You know, come up with a song like that. You know, it's so funny because being, you know, musical all my life, you know, started traveling at age seven, playing the guitar. See, people always say, sing something, and your mind just goes blank. You know, you ever had that happen? Todd, sing us a song. You know, I couldn't think of anything. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You know, I don't want to get too into this story too deep. I just want you to understand that that word, that when God began to talk to me and say, you know what's going to happen here is that I'm going to bless you. Your house isn't gone. Your house is going to increase. You're going to be better at the end of this story than you were at the beginning. Don't worry about it. Don't, you know, give it to me. You know, uh, again, man, I, I don't want to spend all morning just on, on this because there's so much here. You know, the barren woman uh, that, that, that this was spoken to, remember the, the two ladies that were producing children and one was a bonds uh, servant and one was a free woman. And, and uh, you know, this, this barren woman, she, she's free. And, and uh, what God's going to birth through freedom will always outproduce what you could possibly birth through bondage. And, you know, don't, don't get bound up in fear here, Tom. You know, come on and begin to sing and begin to trust me. Begin to trust me. See, a lot of times we think the issues uh, are, are connected to, to things, but the things that we think the issue is connected to really got much to do with the issue that God's trying to deal with in our life. It's like Todd talking to you about giving. You know, if you're worried about money, this, that's not the issue. The issue is do you trust God, right? It, it's like a test. You know, anybody ever had to take a test they didn't want to take? Any test I've ever taken, that was a test I didn't want to take. I don't like tests. And, and uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of a guy uh, that, that was in school, and they, they brought in a, a, a great, you know, professor to do some teaching, and, and, uh, and they were learning about birds, and they took 21 birds, and they put them in bags, and they tied the bags down, and all that was sticking out uh, were, were the feet. And they, they came to class, and they were not really prepared for this test. He said, you know what? Uh, a major portion of your grade this semester is determined on how you do on this test. So you're going to identify these 21 different varieties of birds by their feet only. Okay? You're going to identify these birds by their feet only. And one kid, he was really upset. This isn't fair. This isn't right. They didn't tell us about it. I'm not prepared. It, it, this is crazy. This is stupid. And he starts putting his stuff together and like he's going to leave the class. And the professor asked him, what are you doing? And he said, I, this is, and he shared with him, you know, this is how I feel. And it's not fair and I'm leaving. And the professor reminded him that if you leave this class, you will not pass, you know, this, you, you have to retake the whole thing. Man, this test is important. You need to identify these birds by their feet. And he said, that is stupid. Nobody can do it. We don't know how to do it. We haven't studied this. We haven't been prepared. And he grabbed up his books and headed out the door. And the professor said, young man, stop right there. And he stopped and turned and looked at him. He said, I need to know your name right now. And he pulled his pant legs up and said, you tell me. <laughs> you know, tests. We don't like tests. Giving is just a test. Do you trust God? Singing in the, while your house is burning is just a test. Do you trust me? 21 years ago, that word became, it, it, it changed from logos, which is the written word, to rhema, which is a God-inspired word, right? Where, where, the, where that word just kind of comes alive. And you know, now, it, not only did you hear the word, you heard the voice behind the word. God just spoke this to you, and it's got a lot more influence now than it did when you were just reading it. Right? Something in your spirit has attached itself to the Holy Spirit who brought that word up and said, here you go. 
Here you go. Just a couple of weeks ago, getting ready for the God challenge, here comes Isaiah 54 again. God begins to speak to me about the future of the garden. I want to read it to you this morning and share it with you from that message Bible. We got Isaiah 54 in the message. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. Isn't that good? Look, look at the next verse. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. You won't come up short. Don't hold back. Look at your neighbor and say, don't hold back. You know, look back at, at verse 2 there. It says, clear lots of ground for your tent. Look at somebody say, you need to clear some ground. You need to clear some ground, guys. Why? Well, because there's stuff in our life that needs to be removed so that God can do what he wants to do, right? There are some things, you know, that, that before we build on the property out there, you know, there's probably some work that's going to have to be done to the ground to get the ground ready for what we're going to build. And it really doesn't make any difference what we're going to build. We've got to deal with the ground first. Right? So it really doesn't make any difference what God's future for your life is. If you don't deal with your life first, he can't develop the future that he has planned for you. Right? See, I, I've got plans, God said, to prosper you. But I can't if you won't clear some ground and make some room. Think big. Think big. God's a big God. He's not doing little stuff. He's doing big stuff. But i got to realize that I have to work on my life. When I get born again, my spirit is alive and made new. But my soul is still messed up the way I think, the way I feel, the way I make my choices. Man, I, I have to renew my mind. And there's only one way. That's by the Word of God. There's only one way to find the will of God. That's in the Word of God. There's only one way to walk with God in agreement. That's to get in the Word of God. How, and i got to get rid of some mindsets and some belief systems that are contrary to God's Word because they cause me to be contained. They cause me to be confused. They cause me to, to, to just miss what God is trying to do in my life. God's got big plans for your life. I said God's got big plans for your life. But it's going to take you clearing some ground. Somebody say amen. Look at 1 Chronicles 28, verses 8 through 10. Again, in the message, 1 Chronicles 28, verse 8 through 10. Now in this public place, all Israel looking on and God listening in as God's people. Obey and study every last one of the commandments of your God so that you can make the most of living in this good land and pass it on intact to your children, ensuring a good future. Solomon, my son, get to know well your father's God. Serve him with a whole heart and an eager mind. A whole heart and an eager mind. A whole heart and an eager mind. A whole heart, not a half heart. Here's part of the challenge I'll just share with you. One of the things that we're going to have to do, if we accept the God challenge, we're going to have to become wholehearted seekers of God. Not half-hearted, wholehearted seekers of God. That we want his way of doing and being right in every realm of life, in every decision we make, with a whole heart and an eager mind. For God examines every heart and sees through every motive. But if you seek him, he'll make sure you find him. But if you abandon him, he's going to leave you for good. Look at verse 10. Look sharp now. Look sharp now. It's going to be hard, harder for some. Look sharp. What's that mean? Don't, don't go through life looking stupid. 
Get ready. Now's the time. Now's the time to begin to prepare for God. Now, not later. Look sharp. Now. God has chosen you. God has chosen you to build his holy house. Be brave, determined, and do it. Look at that. God has chosen you. God has chosen you. You're chosen of God. I don't think, I don't think we're getting it. God has chosen you. In the New Testament, it says, you did not choose me, Jesus speaking. He said, you did not choose me, but I have chosen you. Study that word out, and it's actually, it actually means elected. You didn't elect me, but I elected you. That's kind of cool, isn't it? You've got God's vote. God has chosen you. God has chosen you to do so. What, what, does that, what does that imply? Well, that implies that he knows you can do it because God don't make bad choices. You got to realize maybe, maybe you've made some stupid choices, but God hasn't. You, you're not a mistake that God made. You're a victory that's getting ready to occur. Amen? There's an important piece here I, wa I want you to see. Go back to verse, what, what is it, 8? Is that where we started? Uh, look at 8. In this public place and all Israel's looking on, God's listening in. Uh, it says, look down there, so that you can make the most of living in this good land. So that you can make the most of living in this good land and pass it on intact to your children. Ensuring a good future. You know what? If, if, we, if we don't look sharp now, then what we pass on is not complete. It's not full. It's not done. It's not accomplished. We didn't do it. So we, we got to get on it now because what God's dealing with is, is, is God loves you and God cares about you, but he's also using you for what's and who's coming behind you. Some of you guys, you know, you just showed up here a couple of weeks ago. Well, long before you got here, somebody else was here getting stuff ready so that when you got here, it would be ready. Right? You came in and you're sitting on a chair today. Maybe you didn't participate when we bought the chairs, but there's still one here for you. Right. And there's some investments that you're going to make for people who are coming behind you. And it's not it's not just people you don't know. It's family. Right. So what you're what you're investing life in is is going to impact everybody who's connected to you. So make sure you do it right. Now, God chose you. God has chosen you. Look at first Peter two nine again in the message. First Peter two nine. You're a. The chosen ones by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, chosen as God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference that he's made in you. Oh, come on. Isn't there a night and day difference that God has made in you? There's a night and day difference. Listen, you better be thankful that God has changed my life. Okay? Night and day difference. Hey, night and day difference. There's still some areas where he's working, and he probably working overtime on me in comparison to you. But thank God for the night and day difference that he's made in me. He has chosen you, his instrument to do his work, to speak out for him, and to tell others. You notice it's really, it's really about others. Look at Colossians 3, verse 12. Chosen by God for this new life of love. Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Chosen for this new life. 
chosen for this new life by God, chosen. God has chosen you. God has called you out of darkness, translated you into the marvelous light of his dear son. He has hand-selected you. He, know, he knows you. He knows your, your craziness. He, he knows the stuff that's gone on. He knows your past. But he's taking you to your future. And he's chosen you. You're chosen by God. God has chosen us. That's good news right there, guys. We could actually close the book, pray, and go home. If you could get a revelation, God's chosen me. God has chosen me, and I, 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 I'm going to respond. You know, when God calls us, it's, it's a good idea to answer. Somebody say amen. amen. So we're not going to be afraid. We're not going to hold back. We're not going to come up short. You know, a lot of times, the pressure of society causes us to be conformed instead of transformed. And what we've got to remember is that to do what God has chosen us to do we got to be transformed. we got to be changed. We, 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 we can't do this in the natural realm. We've got to be spirit-led people, right? we gotta, we got to get that new man alive and leading and reigning and ruling. We, we've got to train ourselves to be led by the Spirit. We've we got to realize that, that God's Word is preparing us for God life, and God life is a big life. Oh, come on, somebody. Said God life is a big life. Look at your neighbor and say it's big. Well, I, it, just, it just feels so cramped and so, so tight. Look, check it out. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 11 through 13. 2 Corinthians 6. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small. You just live in them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your life. Live openly and expansively. It's time to clear some ground. Stretch out the rope. Use a lot of rope. Drive the, the tent pegs down deep. Get ready for increase. Get ready to be big. Get ready to live large. Somebody say amen. amen. God's got a big plan for your life. But it's a lifestyle that we've got to learn to live. You know what? The lifestyle of, uh, of Zoe life, of God life, there's more life than death. So we live that way. It's our lifestyle. There's more joy than sorrow. Well, bad things happen. Right, but you got more joy than sorrow, so stop focusing on the bad things. Right? You got more hope than despair. Come on. It's a lifestyle. Live like it. Don't live so small that your problem is bigger than God. You got to realize God, God's a big God. He cares about your little problem, but your problem really is a little problem. You know, the house is on fire. We don't have insurance. They're coming to repossess the cars. The hospital wanted us to pay for Evan before he showed up. One day I remember in the conversation with Shelby, I told your mom, I said, well, just don't pay him. What are they going to do? Keep him? We'll pick him up when he's 18. You know, I don't know who, who first coined this statement, but you, you need to adopt it. Uh, there are not enough words in the English language to tell you how much I don't care. There are things that are simply sideshow distractions that are causing you to be let off of the trail of God life. Well, we, we, should, we need to be caring people. Well, the Bible says cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. 
Remember when the disciples were in the boat and they're in the middle of a hurricane, they're waking him up. Master, don't you care that we're dying here? No, I'm not dying. I'm going to the other side. I understand it might be uncomfortable right now. But a lot of times that which is that produces discomfort is actually good for you. Right, Glenn? Hallelujah. All right. Isn't it odd that you can be connected to God yet separated from God life? You can be going to heaven but taking the long route. You know, I think a lot of times in church we focus so much on going to heaven and what we should have been trained to do is to bring heaven to earth. Isn't it weird in church life? And, and, and I can talk this way. I've been in church life my entire life. Been around the church my entire life. And isn't it weird that when left to our own devices, we kind of do everything we can to make it hard for people to come to church? Well, because there's people that we don't want here. I mean, you know, you, you, you know how it is when you're scouting out a church. You come in, see if you like the music, see if you like the, you know, the, the, the greeters, see if you like the, me, uh, the, the message, see if you like, you know, and you look also around the room to see if there's people in here you like. Oh, you're here. See you later. We, if it gets too easy to go to church, we set the hoops on fire. We do whatever we can. The, what we should be doing, we, we're trying to build a culture that lives a lifestyle that makes it hard for people to go to hell. That'll just be hard for your neighbor to go to hell because he's watching you live God life. And he can't stand the fact that you're just shining all the time, that you have stuff just like everybody else, but yet you've got more peace than problems. You've got more provision than lack. You, you've got more joy than sorrow. You, you've got God life. It's so crazy that people can be connected to God but separated from the life God's chosen them to enjoy. So we've got to accept the challenge and we've got to go after God life. Amen? It's kind of like this. See, in reality is that you can be connected to God but never truly committed to him. And what we want to do is, is, is that we want to move from just being connected to the church and connected to God and connected to each other to being committed to God, committed to his house, committed to, to the body. There's only two institutions that God ordained, marriage and the church. So the church means something to God. And in our culture, in our society, we've kind of devalued, you know, the, the body. Church life, we, we, you know, we, well, what I think, well, what do you think? What if you're wrong? Because that has happened before. Not over here? Just, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's that time that you thought you were wrong, Ron, and we found out later that you weren't, but still, that meant that you were wrong. So all of us have, all of us have, you know, we've missed it. But God's not missing it. So we, can't, we don't want to just be connected. We want to be committed. And after we get committed, then we're able to bring completeness to the body. See, the deal is, is that every joint supplying each joint uh, isn't really truly going to be effective until we're committed to each other. We're committed to each other. You know, I, I know you get, you, you, you have the opportunity to go anywhere you want, right? You're, you're not in bondage here. It's uh, because we don't get to do things the way I want. We're trying to do them the way God wants. See, if, if it was up to me when you came in, we'd just lock the door and feed you right here. You'd never leave. Uh, 
But you, but you realize um, all of us are free to go unless we commit to each other. See, I, I'm committed to Todd. So now I got to quit trying to duck him when I see him coming down the street so that we can bring completeness to each other. And if we get this right, you know what will happen is we'll shift from being just connected and committed and completed. We'll shift to being compelling. That lifestyle will compel others to, to come in. To, to, and, and we end up finding people who are far from God and just walking with them to a place where they're close to God. We, we end up training them to live a life of victory with and for God. We, we teach them how to live a life that demonstrates Satan's defeat on a daily basis and live a lifestyle that's an absolute humiliation to hell. But we, we got to look sharp. We got to make room. We got to grow ourselves, And we got to realize that the life that God's called us to is big. If I asked you this morning, I'm, and I don't want you to respond, but if I asked you this morning how many want more life, we'd all, yeah, I want more life. Well, then you've got to make more room for more life. See, the content is valuable, so the container has got to be right. One of the things that you need to understand is that God is a master steward. He is the ultimate stud of stewardship. Stewardship, by the way, is not how much money you spend or how much money you save. It's how much waste you create. See, God's not into waste. I said God's not into waste. Um, he hates waste. He wants us to find our full potential. Not waste it. Let me, let me prove it to you. I'm not going to read these scriptures. Write them down and go read these stories yourself. 2 Kings 4, 1 through 6. So there's a story of a single mom who's in deep yogurt. Her husband's passed away, left her in great debt. She's got boys. Uh, the, the bank is coming. She's going to have to sell the boys into slavery to pay the debt. And she goes to the man of God who tells her how to handle the situation. Uh, and, you know, it's a great story because God, God is always able to supply. He tells her, go out and borrow vessels. You got a little bit of what's in the house. Well, I got just a little bit of oil. Well, go borrow empty vessels. You know the story, right? She goes and she borrows, sends the boys out and they borrow all the empty vessels they can find and they bring them to the house. Okay, now start pouring that oil into those empty vessels. And it says that when she asked for another vessel and her son said, that's it, there's no more vessels, that the oil ceased. When did the oil run out? When they ran out of vessels. And I know everybody says, she should have got more vessels. Well, they, what if they borrowed all the vessels that were there? There weren't any more vessels, and that's when the oil ceased. Had she borrowed more, if she, if she had found more, you know, heaven didn't run out of oil. She ran out of capacity. Had she borrowed fewer, then the oil would have ceased sooner. It, it wasn't a supply issue. It was a capacity issue. See, if we brought the, the, the baptismal tank in here this morning and, 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 and we were smart enough to figure it out, we could measure the, the height and the, and the circumference and, and, and the diameter, multiply it by 59, and you get how many gallons are in there. And it's about 1,200 gallons. And if, if, if that water in that baptismal tank was suddenly valuable, and we're going to let you take it out of here, well, you, you wouldn't want to come with a four-ounce cup. No, no matter how much the supply is, if your capacity is limited, 
It doesn't make any difference about the supply. See, heaven is able and willing and has the power to produce great things in your world. But if you're just a four-ounce container, still your, your capacity is absolutely limited. What God's going to pour into us is valuable, but our ability to contain it is vital. Okay? We, we, we got to get bigger. That's why he's saying clear the ground. Clear the ground. Make lots of room. Get, get bigger. Get bigger. I know in a day and an age when everybody's trying to get smaller, this is a strange word. Get bigger. Some of us, we struggle with some of the most petty little issues. You know, the enemy, he knows our button and he can push it. If he can upset you, if he can get you mad, if he can get you bothered by how somebody looked at you or what they said to you or they, they didn't say or, or they didn't shake your hand or, they, or, or whatever it is, that we're so small that those things that don't really matter impact our final result. And they shouldn't have anything to do with it. Why does it happen? Well, because we're so small. Another biblical reference, John chapter 2, about verse 1 through 10, there's the story where Jesus goes to the wedding and he becomes the supplier of the booze. Okay, go figure. Go figure. Jesus, you know, can you imagine you show up at a party and you got 1,080 bottles of wine? That's what Jesus brought to the wedding. Well, why, 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 why did he bring 1,080 bottles of wine? Well, because he had six pots. Each of them carried 30 gallons. They filled up six pots with 30 gallons, right? So that's, what, 180 gallons of wine, which makes 1,080 bottles of wine. Okay, wh why? Why was it 1,080 gallons of wine? We're so spiritual. Because they had six pots. If they'd had five pots, they would have had 30 gallons less. If they'd had nine pots, you, you with me? That the supply isn't the issue, the capacity is. John chapter 6, 5,000 hungry men with women and children. One sack lunch. 5,000 people are fed. Well, what if there had been 50,000? They'd have been fed. What if there had been 50? Oh, there would have been a lot of leftovers. Nope, because God's not into waste. Supply is not the issue. Capacity is. Why isn't God, if he can do anything, why isn't he doing something in my life? Because your capacity is so small. Dude, you know, I just got goosebumps. It's probably the air conditioning vent. I think I'm doing really good. No, no, you, it's the vent. <laughs> he's preaching for four hours. Well, somebody turn off the air. <laughs> he thinks he's anointed. No, here's, it's capacity, right? Grow yourself. God's uh, ability to really show himself increases. Well, when's God going to heal me? When you get bigger. When's God going to cause finances to flow? When, when you get bigger, you're so tight. You're so manipulated and stressed out by, by money. It, have you not learned in Matthew 6, that's the mammon system. You're not seeking God. You're seeking your own interest. Got to get bigger. Some of us, we're not even a four-ounce container. We're a little communion cup. 
We come up and we scoop up our water. And by the time we get out to the parking lot, half of it's gone. Because we've stumbled over some huge thing out there. See the way they looked at me? Did you catch that? He, he said that to me. It bothers me. Got to go back. Increase your capacity. And then when life shakes you, you don't really lose. Right? Look at your neighbor and say, man, I'm glad you're here. Woo! <laughs> Matthew 9, verses 16 and 17. Check it out. No one puts a piece of cloth that has not been shrunk on an old garment. For such a patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Likewise, neither is new wine put in old wineskins. For if it is, the skins burst and are torn in pieces, and the wine is spilled, and the skins actually are ruined. But the new wine is put into fresh new wineskins, so both are preserved. Why? Because God doesn't want to waste the new wine. You got you to gotta get new. I, I, you're a great guy. But if you're not being led by the Spirit, you're a leaker. Right? God pours in, and, and we can trail you most of the way until, it, until the supply runs out. You got to get new. You, you got to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You got to take off the old way of living. Go read Ephesians you, chapter 4. You got to take off, get rid of that old. Don't live the way that people without God live. Wrong lifestyle. Well, what, do we think we're better than them? Well, if you're not better because Jesus is in your life, Jesus ain't in your life. Man, all you get is a T-shirt and a bumper sticker. You still got your nasty attitude. You need to renew the spirit of your mind, right? Got to get bigger than that. You got to take off that old lifestyle and step into this new one and, and do it God's way. You know, in the beginning was the word. That word is logos. Logos, where we get our word logic. God's system of logic. The secular system of logic opposes God's system of logic. And if you live life according to the secular system of logic, you're not going to live God life. You might be going to heaven, but you're not bringing heaven to earth. When, when, when they look at you, you know, you're hoping that they say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not, well, you're done. I want to make a difference. want to make an impact. Why? Because God's chosen me. God's, I'm not, I don't want to waste his opportunity to move in, in, through my life and wherever God puts me, wherever he places me, whatever circumstance I'm in, I don't want to waste God's opportunity to demonstrate his power. Oh, I, I already know that everyone will know it's not me. It's God. But I don't want God to miss his opportunity. So I got I to gotta clear some ground. I gotta get rid of some sagebrush mentality. I, I, I gotta I, I gotta prep the ground so the great foundation can be laid. I gotta participate. Well, God's in control. Obviously not in your world. Better be careful, you'll make me mad. I can't make you mad. You realize that if mad comes up in you, mad was in you. If I could make you stuff, I'd make you tithe. I'd make you love your wife. 
I'd make you love honor your husband. I, I'd make you know. I'd make me mad. No, you're just small. You got to get bigger. Got to get bigger. There are some wineskins that'll absolutely destroy your opportunity to see God move. And I want to talk about those real quick. Four wineskins you got to get rid of. You ready? Hope you're taking notes. Write this down. Irrelevance. Irrelevance is a wineskin that cannot contain the new wine. Irrelevance, listen to this. Irrelevance is a strong focus on everything that doesn't matter. It's when we're spending our time, our effort, and our resources on that which has no influence on the end result. It doesn't matter. How many people do we know that are going through life, doing everything they can to prove they're right? Nobody else cares. Stuff that they're upset about, you know, it happened 20 years ago. Those people died. I mean, you know, you can't even change. It's, it's over. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. And the enemy wants to push you into a place where your life is consumed with irrelevance. Mindsets, belief systems that we have that, uh, that, that propagate that mentality. You know, that it doesn't matter if I'm not in church. Well, you're just the pastor. You want us here. Well, let, let's just examine that mentality for just a minute. If it doesn't matter that you're not here, then you're not making a difference when you are. So the enemy's robbed you of your ability to bring completeness to the body because nobody cares that you're here. Why not? Because you don't make a difference. Isn't it odd Is how quiet it got just right there? That's not what I was going to say, but that's what came out of my mouth. Isn't it odd? You know, think, think about our mindsets for just a minute. Think about our mindsets. You know, we're going to go do something and, and something fun, something relaxing, and, and we should. We need to recreate. We need to, you know, but why is it that we always, well, we're going to be gone this weekend. We're camping. Why, why have you never considered taking Monday through Thursday off? Well, I, I get paid for Monday through Thursday. So money means more to you than God's house. What would happen, I'm just, I'm just submitting thought, what would happen if you decided, you know what, I'm going to honor God more than I honor money? According to his word, he'd cause you to increase anyways. So maybe what we have is a deep-seated fear of increase. I don't know, just thinking. Oh, it doesn't matter if we're not there. We can get a CD. We can download the message. I tell you what, when we go to heaven, we'll send you a DVD. Number two, wineskin that'll kill everything in God's plan. Religion. Religion. The word religion, the root word of religion is the same word that uh, we use to get the word relic. You know what it means? It means that which is left behind. Religion, that which is left behind. Kind of like a friend or an acquaintance that went to the mall and found their favorite perfume or cologne on sale. And so they really loaded on. And when they come in, you know they're there. And when they leave, you know they've been there. Right? They've left, but their fragrance is still in the room. People who show up after they're gone know they've been there. Not always bad. See, that's what religion is. God moved on, and we can prove he's been here. Because we have religion. It's not life. Hello? 
He was here. But see, I wasn't chosen by God to go to places he's been. I was called by God to walk with him, so I am where he's at. And in church life, religion is so crazy. You know, back in the day, you know, everybody getting upset because there's drums in the church. Go back a little bit farther, getting upset because there's guitars in the church. Go back a little bit further, you know, and all we're going to do is have an organ. So we got organs and we got robes. Uh, and that was great in the day. It wasn't nothing wrong with it. Wasn't nothing against it. But today, see, the church is dying. If you don't believe me, go visit Brother Schuler. He's a great man. Shaped church as we know it. $55 million in debt, and anybody that talks about change gets fired. And they're going deeper in debt because people have stopped giving. Why? Well, because all you got left are the people who were with you when you started, and they're 90. You got to get bigger. There are probably some things that we'll do to, to win this culture that you and I probably won't like. There's things I don't like right now. In our culture, there's stuff that you do. I hate it leave you with that thought okay number three you're probably going there's stuff you do i hate too well, good for us it doesn't matter that's irrelevant number three number three tradition i gotta hurry tradition tradition well in that religion nope tradition is a mindset that well this is just the way we've always done it mark four or no seven right jim mark seven jesus said you have made the word of God of none effect by the traditions of men. Think about that for just a minute. The word of God has no power because of the traditions of men. You've all heard the story, I'm sure, over and over. But it just, you know, it, you know at Christmas, everybody's gotten together, Thanksgiving, and, and the family's sitting there, and they, they pull out the ham, and both the ends are cut off the ham. And, and, and the little boy asks Mom, Mom, why do we cut the ends off the ham? She goes, I don't know, honey. Uh, go, go ask Grandma. She's in the other room. So he goes in and asks Grandma, Grandma, uh, you know, why do we cut the ends off the ham? And she goes, I don't know. we just always done it that way. You, you know, my mother, your great-grandmother's in the other room. Go, go out there and find her. And he gets the great-grandma and crawls up in her lap and says, great-grandma, how come we cut the ends off the ham when we cook it? And she goes, well, I don't know why my daughter does it, and I don't know why your mother does it. But I did it because, well, my pan wasn't big enough to put the ham in. And here we are, and then we're just doing it. That's the way we do it. This is how we do it. Tradition, tradition sucks the life out of new wine. Well, I think your music grieves the Holy Spirit. No, it grieves you. Ain't got anything to do with the Holy Spirit. Just you, just you. Because we have a tendency to be small. Number four. Complacency. This is a killer. Complacency is the refusal to change. The word literally means a feeling of quiet pleasure, often while unaware of the potential danger. What sank the Titanic? It was an iceberg. No. It wasn't an iceberg. They had given six warnings that they refused to change course. There, there are some things in your world. I, I'm, I just want to ask you this this morning. 
God's going to challenge us. Are you willing to change a course? Are, are you willing to, to allow the Spirit of God to change the direction that your life is headed so that you can miss what's going to take you out if you don't? Well, I'll have to see it. That was their problem. See, they, they, they did not see their danger. They were very comfortable in their own self-preservation and, and their self-motivation. It was, they, they didn't want to change. They were complacent. I come to church. I put money in the bucket. Are you really stretching yourself? Are you really growing? Are you really letting God change you? You may be connected to God. Are you connected to God life? Are you at a place where God's will can be done in you, through you? Are you bringing heaven to earth? See, God's plan is big. Are you big or are you small? Do you have clarity or are you kind of confused? Are you hanging on to stuff that doesn't matter? Or are you reaching out for that which is valuable to the kingdom? I got to tell you, there's some things that God wants to do that in my own mind, in my own personality, in my just who I am. You know, honestly, really? Use Todd. Let TJ do it. God said, no, I want, I want the freedom to use you. Why me? Because I chose you. I chose you for this. Make the wineskin new. Because God's not going to waste the wine. Amen? Close your book. Let me pray for you.